the Rydem one was the one that I got uh, into a fight with. <laughs> really? You're just going to do them like that? Hey, it, I was already in the process. Careless. I know, but still. <laughs> so. Could have been pickering about numbers again. Still ongoing. Well, speaking of which, right? So <laughs> we got, we've got to be big kids just in case we ever, ever want to be monetized, right? So we got to tell people that we're going to swear and shit and, and spoil, spoil and shit. Yeah, and, and welcome to the Dresden Files podcast. I mean, this we do it in front of small children. So yeah, yeah. We episode one hundred. Literally, participants. There's a baby. I yeah, instead I, of a cat, you guys get a baby. Suck it up. Right. Yep. I can't wait until this comes back to haunt me in about you know ten ish years and be like, "Yep, you are the world's greatest parent, swearing <laughs> in front of your baby all it's the time." Not gonna take ten years at his growth rate. No. Oh yeah. Like four more months and he'll be yep. like hey so i've got this phd what am i supposed to do with it because i'm huge anyway. so anyway this is a dresden and files podcast for reasons unbeknownst the, to us the most professional dresden files podcast we this can't even count of... our episode numbers though wow whose fault is that there's so <laughs> many of them you're college educated. i read out of fingers What's and toes your... a long time ago <laughs> right yeah just now, everyone's five. Like one hundred episodes. Um, Still for the hundredth episode, we have exciting news. Insofar as we got a cover art for Peastalk's chapter and an excerpt from chapter eleven. Yay! Might be the Woo! best cover so far. Well, it's a good cover. It is it's, a good cover. You know, as far as him prominently displaying his hat goes, it is <laughs> the finest. God, display. I hate the hat, dude. Yeah, I mean the cover's I, pretty. I had a friend just totally pop off. Like she's normally relatively chill and she's just like that freaking hat, just blah, blah, blah. We're like, whoa, you know, it's book 15 and he's had a hat every time. Right. <laughs> so. He's still, he's still got long hair on the cover. I thought he would get gotten that taken care of. Why? I, that takes work. Why would he do that? So the, we already know that the hat's not accurate. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not really going to begrudge him the fact that you know long hair is in vogue. And well, whatever. throughout Skin Game, they're making fun of the, his haircut because uh, he had Toot help him do it. Right. And how terrible it is. <laughs> I mean, the general really, did it. And you can't. Why, why it was he bad. Not, it hurt his little feelings. Why does he not just have a fire spell to take care of that for him? Just be like. I mean, he also could just use Thomas. He, he the dude used to cut hair. Yeah. But Thomas, it, it took him a year to get out to Demon Reach for crying out loud. So he's not on Demon Reach anymore. He was running around on the beach. True. True. Maybe he got a haircut. We don't know. Yeah. True. Yeah. That happened that. In, uh, are we are we are we in depth in this chapter a little bit? Chapter or are we three. Saying it happened and everyone can go read it. It happened. Go read it. No, I'm just kidding. It was awesome. Um, I mean, we really should cover it a little bit since it's news, right? So, I mean, so, listen, it's, it's fairly simple. It's a nice uh, evening out on the town between Harry and his grandfather. Um, you know, they're, they're having a chat about political upcoming peace talks and uh, they meet a they meet a dog. You know. I just realized, like, how great is it that peace talks come out in an election year? So anyway, <laughs> like, Harry and his grandfather talking about politics. Yep. OK. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to leave it up to you because you're the you're the. Um, the Lovecraft guy. But. Well, ish. So, okay. So, super, super spoilers. We've already told you too much if it were me, but uh, seriously, spoilers, Peace Talks, because it's literally an excerpt from Peace Talks. But um, Harry and Ebenezer, uh, you know, are talking about the what? We're on the eve, right? Is it literally the day before or it's just very upcoming? The night before. Um, 
exactly what you said. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what I remembered. And then um, as they're talking, basically this sickening wave of energy rolls over them and they, of course, you know, freeze and, you know, whatever else. And, you know, for Harry, it's unmistakable because he's encountered this before. And basically they can tell that an outsider has been summoned. And so, you know, Ebenezer kind of gets all, you know, battle ready, excited kind of in my mind. And uh, it was funny because they referenced him like twice as the old man. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm like pretty sure it's Ebenezer, but he didn't say Haas and he didn't say Ebenezer. So I was like, somebody say something. And then he finally called him out as Ebenezer. And then, you know, basically Ebenezer gets ready to fight this thing. It shows up and he's like, you know, oh, it's a corner hound. And which is not what you probably would be familiar with them as if you are familiar with the mythos. Um, but basically Ebenezer, you know, like bears down on him with his staff, but Harry sees that his hands are shaking. So Ebenezer, who can fucking blow up mountains and detonate volcanoes and drop nuclear weapons in the middle of Russia, is afraid of outsiders. And in my estimation, we'll see we'll see how it fits into the Dresden verse. Like Hounds of Tindalos are fucking scary, but compared to like Shogoths and a few other things that we've even seen in the Dresden Files universe, th this would be relatively minor by comparison. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But yeah, so the the name that I I and a few other fans from the subreddit that I've seen ascribed to it is like Corner Hound. Kind of it's if you know what the Hounds of Tindalos are, it's almost exactly you know like just that name is descriptive enough. What's kind of interesting about them and, and what I enjoyed is it's like it's a relatively short story and it's not even actually Lovecraft. It's just put in the mythos. If I recall correctly, it's a different author. And um, what what it is, is basically you get the perspective from this guy who knows about the Hounds of Tindalos. And I think you've got to muck around with dimensions or time or something like that. But then they pick up your scent at least in the original story. And what their gimmick is, is that they can move through corners. And so anything less than 120 degrees, they can pop out of and eat your face. So this guy knows about the hounds. They, he knows that they've picked up his scent and they're after him. So he builds himself like a, a, a like octahedral house or whatever the shape is. But he makes sure every corner in his house is greater than 120 degrees. And then he gets a delivery and he's a kind of explaining the situation from, again, from what I remember. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he basically, he gets a delivery from like FedEx, which at the time, of course they didn't have. So I'm simplifying, but he gets a delivery and the dude opens the box and there's nothing. And then a hound of a Tindalos jumps out at him because the box, because he has corners <laughs> and it's like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like it's such a, a fun gimmick. And it's just one of those things that it's like, if you know, you know, and so it's kind of like saying Cthulhu, right? Like a lot of people kind of know, you know, Cthulhu from the mythos and whatever, maybe you don't know Azatoth, maybe you don't know, um, you know, some of the others, uh, but you know, hounds of Tindalos is another one of those popular uh, kind of monsters. And so to see him use it, I'm like, oh shit. And the fact that it's outsiders loose in Chicago, right? Because the way that I recall him dis butcher describing it is that, you know, basically, you know, something's going to happen in Chicago that you can't, you know, you're not going to be able to deny. And I don't know if he said it or if we just all kind of implied like 
something like a bomb is going to go off or whatever, but like having outsiders running around downtown Chicago is a whole lot worse, especially because the way he describes it being like, you know, everybody who's asleep right now is going to be paralyzed with fear and have nightmares and they're not going to know why, you know? So it's going to be more like Watchmen instead of like, you know, a bomb going off. So is that related to, was it that night of bad dreams when Susan died? Is no, it, it outsider-y something? I mean... Well, it's psychic trauma, but... Right. That it, comes in many flavors. Right. And and it may be, you know, because, like, wasn't... Uh, I mean, the Reds were in with outsiders, right? But their their mm-hmm. magic didn't necessarily coincide. I, I always felt that the Reds were playing with outsiders because the Black Council was pushing them and helping them. Mm-hmm. You know, like in in hindsight, like it, it, the first read through, it seems like just the Reds somehow are summoning outsiders, which is supposed to be impossible. But when you see how ingrained the Black Council is, I feel like, you know, it had to be like Cal and Kamori or somebody on their level summoning the outsiders, you know, at the Battle of Sicily, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and this this is almost certainly more of the same, you know, would be my guess. So. So we're going to know who Cal is because everything happens in peace talks. Yes. Right. You know, and, and unfortunately I, yeah, unfortunately spoilery speculation. Do a big trilogy thing? Nah. What? That, that we won't know who he is until the trilogy in the end. No, whatever. No, what I was going to say is I'm, I feel like they're setting it up that it's not going to look good for the old man, you know, so, which is going to break my heart into a million pieces. So, but yep. Anyway, so that I mean that was the chapter. I don't know if I missed anything else. It uh, was kind of like nothing, and then it was like, holy hell, corner hounds. No, I think get there attacked. was a line Ebenezer and, said, like, "We need a place that won't burn down," or something to that effect. Oh, right. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, "How well do you know how to?" How, yeah, that's right. How well do you know this place? It's Chicago. Okay, we need a place that won't burn down. It's Chicago. It's Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, depending on where they were, the only thing I could think of was, like, you know, Millennial Park again, so, um, because certainly in downtown Chicago, like, unless you're fighting in an intersection, (laughs) you're, you need to find, you know, someplace open like Millennial Park or on the outskirts of proper downtown, you know, so, but, yeah, that, that's right, that was a great line, so. Where could you read this uh, story? It was EW.com, I thought, but, you know, definitely go to the subreddit. It should still be the top yeah, post. EW.com slash book slash a bunch of other things. Jim Butcher TV Peace Talks preview. Right. I'm sure if you Google, you know, Peace Talks, mm-hmm. uh, it just in general probably would show up at the top. So, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, so the Hound attacks and Ebenezer throws up a, a wall between them and then it cuts off. So, right. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of get the impression, and I, I've seen some of this speculation as well that we're going to see the difference between a total badass wizard and you know we're going to start to see the Starborn stuff actually pay off a little bit because if it does give him power over outsiders, Ebenezer might be able to take the Corner Hound right, but maybe he's going to look sweaty and and tired afterwards, for example, whereas Harry just kind of blasts him and is like. I thought you said they were scary, you know, like, I don't know. I, I kind of, I I don't think it'll be that easy. Right. But I think the comparison is like Ebenezer had to literally drop a mountain or a nuclear weapon on one. Right. Whereas Harry was like, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't an easy fight, but I didn't have to like nuke him, 
So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on how Harry's power interacts. I mean, if his magic is able to, quote unquote, stick to them better than Ebenezer's, because that's, that's Ebenezer's problem. That's most wizards' problem. You right. Just can't make your magic stick to them. That's, uh, I mean, that's the speculation, right? Because all we know is that it gives him some kind of power over them. So, yeah, we'll, so it's a matter of right. how that trend, you know, how that comes to be. Yeah. A little I bit mean, of Dean. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because, I mean, he's fought, you know, when he fought, he walks before and he threw, you know, basically an Arctic Comet at him. And, it, you know, it made him leave, but it didn't really hurt him necessarily. Right. Um, so it even, you know, and that's a walker, which makes sense. But, you know, that's also still Harry's power. So it's it may end up being either something he has to innately tap into or it's a more uh, more nebulous thing. Right. Well, and that's, and that could be too, like there could be a more active component to it that we find out in peace talks. But to me, I always took it as kind of like, a, um, you know, outsiders have spell resistance in D and D terms. And then Harry just has improved spell penetration or whatever, where it's like, okay, yeah, they're still somewhat resistant to him because he's still using mortal magic, but at the same time he can get just a little bit more through you know, obviously it's not, it's not a walk in the park for him, uh, but it does kind of make him the, still the best qualified to do it, you know? So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm pumped, you know, it, it's not nearly enough though, especially because it just, it ends in the middle of a sentence practically, you know, it's just like. Do we assume Ebenezer knows that Harry's a starborn? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised I, either way, quite honestly. Yeah, I would. I kind. I kind of assume he does, right? Um, I mean, first of all, he's on the senior council. I'm sure he drinks and knows many things. Um, he, Maggie, literally is the one that set it up. Um, you know, right. even, it depends on what that dinner that he was invited to about the plan was supposed to be. If the plan was, hey, we're going to create a starborn, then yeah, obviously he's going to know. Right. If it was something yeah. else then. There's there's enough circumstantial evidence that I would bet on him knowing because especially like you got to like because it would give him a, an extra reason to keep Harry around right like so we already know that they're related so that's a big reason why Ebenezer took the the Duma Damocles for Didn't him. Didn't they say something in Summer Night when they were doing that weird discussion as to whether to send him to the Reds? I think Martha Liberty says like you know what he was meant for. Mm -hmm. Ah, well that that seems pretty clear. So. Well, it depends. I mean, you could take that that way. You could make the argument that you knew what Justin was shaping him for after you found out. Well, even that that might hint at being starborn, especially right. if Elaine right. is you actually could, a starborn. Yeah, it could. It absolutely. Right. Saying you, you could, you could make the argument for another thing if you wanted to. Right. I would say certainly the evidence that we've got right now would indicate a plausibility, yeah. high likelihood I that he knows. I mean, there's a word, Jim, that like if all the council were, you know, if all the senior council were inclined to share resources, they would, you know, they could piece together exactly. Share resources, like logical people? Him. Anyway, right. So, right. They just won't do that. Because the plot doesn't demand it. Not yet. By then, it'll be too late. Whoa. Okay, so we're on part 84 of Steam Game. <laughs> In episode 99-something, who knows what. Um, <laughs> I believe we should start around chapter 25, if anyone cares. They are going back to the slaughterhouse after being patched up again. 
and it's sleeting and they have short discussion as to whether Mab is helping with the weather or she's just being apathetic. Harry thinks but, apathetic. Yeah, I was like, doesn't Harry say, no, I'm pretty sure this is just Chicago being Chicago. So Yeah. And I mean, as far as resident experts on the, on the weather go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then they kind of talk about the Janoskoa and the fact that Harry threw a huge magical attack at him and he just grounded it to nothing. Right. And he revealed that he can do that instead of trying to hide it, which might have been more clever. Right. Yeah. Mo two, two important things. First of all, he's all but immune to magic. And second of all, he revealed that he is all but immune to magic. <laughs> so zero and, respect for the wizard. Right. And even even Murphy's like, that was kind of dumb, wasn't it? So. Well, you would have zero respect, too, if the guy is like, hey, I know your buddy and you had zero respect for that guy. So. Right. He already hates River Shoulders. So by association, he's going to think Harry's a piss animal. Well, yeah. that. I mean, knowing what we know later, I'm sure he got a, the primer from Nicodemus to be like, we hate this guy. Why? Because fuck him in particular. <laughs> also because, you know, I mean, first of all, fuck him for meddling in my plans all those years ago, but now also he knows my secret, so he's got to die. Mm -hmm. some he, did, he did take it personally when he got compared to River Shoulder, so I, I feel like he has no problem hating Harry on his own merit. Sure, sure. Most people don't. <laughs> right. They don't need primers. <laughs> So they go into the slaughterhouse after talking some more. Uh, Harry makes a note that Jordan wasn't on like door duty and had been somewhere else. He was wondering if maybe his uh, manipulations were working on Jordan and Nicodemus was feeling wary of that. Mm -hmm. Probably yeah. not though. Harry's but yeah, but Deidre yeah. is standing kind of away from everyone else and looking vulnerable. So Karen immediately says, we can't afford another damsel. <laughs> Because yeah, Murphy knows Dresden. So. Well, mm -hmm. it's, this is another thing. Like Dresden is selectively stupid. I mean, this is the same warning he had for Sonia in small favor with Rosanna. Like she's mm -hmm. going to do the, the pouty lip and look like she's all vulnerable and this, that, and the other thing. And he's well aware how right. this works. And it's like, oh, another denarian? Yeah, it's fine. It, he didn't actually same... try to save her. He was trying to get information out of her and she wasn't right. trying to seduce him like Rosanna. Yeah. That's time. that's kind of the way I see it too. It's like, okay, yes, but I mean, for Harry, he's not trying to like get in her pants or vice versa, right? This is all just a like, okay, she she knows something and maybe in this fragile state of mind she'll share it, you know, type mm -hmm. of stuff. Uh -huh. So and maybe she kind of did. But he goes up to her ostensibly to confront her about if she killed Harvey. And that's the first thing he says. So why'd you kill him? And she says she didn't because Nicodemus said not to, but I actually don't remember that being said by Nicodemus. Right. No, it was probably said off. Uh... Well, I'm Which, sure. I, mean, I don't know, it like... felt weird to me because the whole time when they were in the car, she was going, we should just kill him. We should kill everyone around. Gotcha. But if she was saying she was never going to do that because Nicodemus said not to, then it just seemed like a mistake. Hmm. Well, she also doesn't have the world's greatest impulse control. Probably sure. not. I mean, when you're 16 for 2,000 years, you know? Yeah. Or younger even, possibly. Yeah, who knows? weird. Deidre's She's weird. weird. She's very character. weird. You mm -hmm. don't want to think about it too much because it just gets weirder and worse. So... Uh. 
supernatural so, morality is different. Correct. Yeah. Still weird. <laughs> cool motive, still murder. <laughs> yeah, Deirdre says she went to talk to her mother and they said personal things, but Tessa's the one that killed Harvey. And Harry feels certain that Tessa isn't after the grail. It's something else. It's not that she's trying to get the same thing because then she would still need the access into the vault. Right. Almost like she's trying to stop someone from getting somewhere. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and Deidre starts asking uh, Harry about commitment and how, how his longest relationship and how has that gone and it's pitiful. Ah, right. right. Yeah, what do you it... mean? Him and Mr. Like this and the dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A cat. But he... <laughs> right. But even still, like, yeah, her whole point is like, so thousands of years and you wouldn't even begin to have an inkling of a possibility of pretending to try to think about understanding. Good day, sir. So. Mm -hmm. Good day, sir. Right. All that mysterious, I'm so old and alien morality you were talking about. So mm -hmm. It's like, you call him my father. It's, yeah, because he is. Right. Even though you're like kissing him and shit. It's, he's... Mm. He's still dead. I mean, he could call him sperm donor if that makes you feel better, but technically... Or don't you know, call him father. At least that makes it a little different. Uh, it's right. like those couples that are like, we're not just a husband and wife. We are two halves of a whole. One half existed to create the yeah, other. But she's still her... She's still the daughter. At no, no point is she his spouse. You like, don't that's... understand. They're a diet. She's the other woman in that situation. They're in oh God! No, stop! I can't think about this. Next, <laughs> next. Well, Harry Have you seen does. Rise of Skywalker yet? By the way, no, stop! God damn it! I know life is strange, and I'm not really in a hurry. Your kid can get on a roller coaster. Take him to the movies. I can put him on a roller coaster. <laughs> He's way too tiny for that. The G forces, man. No. Now nah, give him a couple months. His baby neck will keep him from like. His baby lack of, you know, his baby rubber, maybe. So. The G4 cancels each other out. Who's taking pictures? Right? I took a screenshot. <laughs> oh, boy. I feel like my, this is where laptop, Justin disappointed laptop. everybody. Oh, God. <laughs> and Andreas is doing creepy things. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway. Harry had asked Deidre, why? Why do all of the crazy shit that they do? And she eventually answers of, because they're trying to save the world. Right. And that ends the conversation. The same because thing we do every night, Pinky, good. try to save the world. Right? <laughs> like, sometimes, wasn't that thing that people will tell you of, like, that they're good guys, bad guys, or whatever their motivations are, but Harry just never listens to the shit that they're saying? Well, yeah, I mean, so... They're always bad guys. Right. And there, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of fun there, but I considering the subject matter and who we're talking about, it feels particularly fitting to quote scripture here and be judge the fruit, judge the tree by the fruits of its labors. So yeah, I don't look at their words, look at their actions. You rape and murder and kill. Maybe you're not the good guys, regardless of, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like I, I don't see any situation where you come down being the good guys there. So I mean, we could get into the whole, like, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few if you really want to get nerdy about it, and, and we could play the trolley game, but, you know, <laughs> at the same time, I really don't think that Team Nick is, yeah, even if they're right, I don't want them to be, like, you know, I'm sure there's a different 
horse we can back in this you race. You stand to suffer humanity. if they're right, because they're just as liable to kill you as to say hi to you. Sure, that too. But I mean, yeah, just like overall, I, I don't see how we're going to murder our way out of the apocalypse. So, Well, you just can't see the bigger picture. Right. I, I mean, that's why I, I really come down to, I think Nick's motivation is transhuman, right? The reason why, like, it's only an apocalypse for human beings and for mortal kind, because mortals are the ones that can bring in the outsiders. So if he kills all humans, then outsiders can't come in, and then all the little plants and all the angels and all everybody else, they get to live. But that kind of goes against, you know, Big G's creation plan. The ineffable plan, ineffable. Oh, you got to get that in there. So, so therefore, from that perspective, he's wrong and the bad guy. Yeah, but he also so. wants to be named a saint, as he said in small favor, which well, you know requires people. I'm sure the angels can vote on it. So, <laughs> right. You know, or maybe everybody will happily give up their coins, so we'll have thirty people at the end of it. And they already know not to summon outsiders. Maybe. Even that's mm. even more scary why Thorn and Namshiel like switch sides because Thorn and Namshiel fucking knows better and he's playing for the outsiders, then you know it's bad, you know. So, mm -hmm. and we just don't grasp the full horror of it yet because, you know, and that's why it bugged Nick so bad. So, that's no, my head. Everybody, everybody's got a traitor, it seems, in their midst as far as the sides of team reality. I mean, whether willingly say, or not. Right. You could say traitor, but I mean, it literally could be Nemfection. You know, it could be Nemesis. And, well, and yeah, but that's it what I'm saying. Be... Willingly or not, it's still traitorous. Yeah. It's that's still... true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I mean, because the, the next level up from that then is, okay, so we didn't do it willingly. So we have a fallen angel, which for all intents and purposes still has most of all the power of an actual angel. And they can be nemfected if that's the case. Holy shit. You know, what does that mean for team reality? I mean, it could be so. that the host is still in control and the host is what's infected and therefore the fallen angel is being taken for a ride. I maybe, but have, we go it's back to the can mortals be infected because we haven't actually seen that happen yet, have we? Right. Mm. And we don't, know, we don't know if mortals can. We've been told through Word of Jim that angels cannot. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's important, but, though. I so fallen angels? Becomes, is there that much of a difference? Well, that's... Yes, there is wiggle room there, I suppose. Although... Right. Angels on angel, even if they're fallen, I would say. Right. Corrupted, yeah. corrupted is still... It's still the, the base level. So then it becomes willingly fighting or betraying or whatever. Right. And the other thing is one of the distinctions to be made too is that there seems to be a distinction between identifying the angel as the person or I, well, sorry, let me back up. Identifying the denarian as the person or as the angel based off of who's in control. So you have, you know, Thorn and Namshiel, you've got Ursiel, Magog. Mm -hmm. They're never usually referred to as their hosts. Whereas you've got Tessa, you've got, um, you know, Rosanna, uh, mm -hmm. Shit, I can't. Why can't I? Deidre and Nicodemus. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Deidre was the one I got stuck on. So, yeah. So, like, Thorn and Namshiel's probably not being taken for a ride. Thorn and Namshiel's probably in the driver's seat by the fact that we call him Thorn and Namshiel. So, I mean, I don't know. It could just be a really weird person that decided to go by Thorn and Namshiel. <laughs> 
that's it. I'm changing my name. <laughs> so. Well, Thorne Namshill seems to be one of the older ones. Like he's been around long enough to be Tess's sorcery teacher. So he's been there for a while. It's right. not like Ursiel and Magog who just go through hosts like paper cups. Right. You know, ride them hard, put them up wet type deal for those guys. They're the brute force guys. And then they go through the vending machine again. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. right. Today yeah. I'm feeling Russian. <laughs> Uh, so after the creepy conversation with Deirdre, uh, Harry goes down to the table and Goodman is hitting on Karen. As he Continuously. Should. Right. Yeah, and she makes jabs about uh, it's an alias fake name. He's not going to call him Goodman. Right. So they call him Gray. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. All right. Then there's some cock blocking gun waving things going around you people are savages and then they go on with more of a meeting hey. starting with harry please tell us how ways work um, ways the connections and all the thematic thing that he tries to explain of the fact that they're breaking into a vault in one spot in chicago to break into the corresponding vault in the underworld and how why that's all important Yes, they can't just be very, ready. very exposition. Mm -hmm. But it's it's kind of neat too because you get a, yeah. a very deep understanding of the laws of magic, and they cover. Okay, well, we can't just like walk into it. We can't just you know uh, have Marcone open the vault or you know a hundred other ways. We have to break into it because we are breaking into Hades' vault. So there has to be a symbolic link breaking. through that stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't know that. For we'll them, they're breaking there. into it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, their actions still are that, just because the guy who happens to own the vault is not keeping a quote-unquote guard dog right there to eat them. Right. I mean, if you want to really get pedantic, you could say that literally Goodman Gray let them into the vault by being Harvey, but since his intentions were bad, I guess, you know, his intentions were to break into the vault because there was no breaking of the gate, right? Like, not to actually get in, you know, like, so they infiltrate the building, they, you know, do a bunch of other shenanigans, they mm. generally leave the place a mess, but Harvey literally walks, or Goodman Gray as Harvey literally walks up and just lets them in, so. Well, you know, that, that is a, to do some, that's like, a weird symmetry, that's though, true. so hold on. There's two walls that, that Asher used fire to get through, Yep. Then there's the vault that Dresden sort of helped Valmont with. And then there's Gray with Harvey's blood that let them through the last one. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, so it it depends on at which point, right? I would say that the actual, you know, like, obviously it's a, a layered security approach, but like mm -hmm. the true vault they're breaking into is what? It was seven, wasn't it? Or was it 13? Whatever the... Uh, 13. 13. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so... 13 where they actually get to Hades because that's where mm -hmm. the way is opened right mm -hmm. so everything leading to that point is incidental you know to me I don't know that's just how I looked at it but see isn't that cool how complex magic gets <laughs> totally it allows for really complex heists right yeah and the building that they're breaking into with all of the bells and whistles is the Capristi building which uh, I probably should look up and see what it looks like. And it's owned by John Marcone. Right. Whee! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I looked it up, but that was like two months ago when we started this and I don't remember. So. <laughs> Did it look like a building? 
<laughs> yeah, it definitely in Chicago. I think it's actually on, if I remember right, it's on the north side, you know, kind of by the Gold Coast. So did it look like a building that a corner hound could get into? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Chicago, are you kidding? It's a corner hound playground. <laughs> like, Every, it's yeah, Chicago. Which is, which is right. why I think I think it's half the reason that Ebenezer was afraid because you're in a friggin' dense urban area. <laughs> There's literally no escape from this thing. And his Probably. magic doesn't stick to it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could see that for sure. He's like, okay, so how to kill this without dropping a nuke on it and then getting brought up on yeah. about be one eight million were, counts of violating the bar. first law. You know, in right. the middle of Missouri, where right. there's nothing around, but you're in like a New York or a Chicago or an LA and you let loose one of those things. Right. Forget it. Yeah, it's a building, all right. It's a tall, tall building. Yeah. Right. And see, to me, that though, that was kind of a, the interesting part because the bank is on the lower levels and then goes into the sub basement, which isn't really unheard of in Chicago either, obviously, but. It's just like blowing up walls and all sorts of crazy gun battle on the lower floors of a building. I just think, you know, that can't be good for the foundations. I don't know. So Yeah, but it's yeah. owned by a criminal, so it's fine. Right, sure. The foundations are strong. <laughs> if the foundations are strong, you can rebuild. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, no, those, those foundations are gone. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, Karen and Dresden put uh, protests about let's not break into Marcone's building because he will be angry and he is dangerous. Uh, Dresden kind of points out that Marcone is the Baron of Chicago and a signatory of the Accords. And Harry is also signatory of the Accords, sort of, twice. Not signatory, right. I guess, but um, Nicodemus is not. And therefore, Harry's just fine. They're all in Nicodemus's honor, I guess. Loophole. <laughs> yeah, which has... It's literally how this whole thing works, right? Is that Mab loans Harry to Nicodemus so that he's not under her power so that he can get her vengeance, like, loophole. Mm -hmm. Going against Mab's signatory accord thingies. Plus, right? Mark's yeah. okay with it to begin with anyway, so it really doesn't Yeah, this is right. convoluted. Like I said, loophole. Need <laughs> lots of flowcharts. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, what am I going? And I, they're talking about how to make Marcone happy afterwards, and I think they're just like, let's just give him a, a cut of all of the jewels and stuff that we get, which is exactly what happens. Right. Uh, Binder will need to hold the building with all of his goons for probably an hour while they're running around in the underworld, which never sounds like enough time, but. I don't know if I've tried to like time how long they were actually in the underworld. See, time time's not a line though; it's a wibbly nice. wobbly ball of timey. Well, yeah, I don't I mean, know once they're the there, forget open, it. Is the time not like uh, aligned? No. Well, they, they also no. talk about how Hades can literally like if Hades gets onto them, he could just don't. Doesn't that come up this time too? Like Hades could manipulate time against them and all that. Well, stuff. he does. See, you know, things are progressing in your in your underworld that you may not be aware of and he looks at him like um perfectly aware and he, and he sticks him right back in the same moment as he took him away from when he was done talking yeah right and i know that but i'm just saying in the in the scope of the planning does don't they bring that up that it's like you know and an hour oh, yeah. is well it's his demands that you can do they they would know that implicitly even if they didn't bring it up i'm sure right yeah in an hour is just the mortal time and then once they get inside who knows but 
I mean, it could have been an hour one for one. I mean, the gate takes a few minutes. Each gate takes a few minutes. Harry well, takes maybe gate a few of ice takes like fifteen or something because he was watching the pattern for that long or something. Right, Even but then there's a gate of blood. I mean, it's probably longer than an hour technically. Yeah. Because yeah. well, when they hour. make the movie, I want them to. I want them to be a like timer. at fifty-nine minutes, and then it goes for exactly an hour to the end. Yeah. Well, that so means to me the. To, cut into the fighting part a little bit <laughs> right to me the the most notable part actually was the fact that binder is summoning a whole lot more goons than he was in turncoat so because i it may just be like a counting thing but i felt like the numbers were inflated by like five to ten dudes or it just kind of showed you that binder hasn't just been sitting around either you know or he was holding back previously because I think they say he's got like 25 to 35, you know, like the first go around. And then this time, no, on the island, he summons like a lot. Thank you. Well, yeah, Harry starts counting them off. He he summons a bunch. I think he gets to at least 30, if I remember correctly. Right. Okay. I mean, it's it's possible that he only has a certain amount under his whatever, but I I feel like it's just kind of situational. Like the island is called for that for reasons, and this calls for this for reasons. Gotcha. Yeah, and this one he summoned at least forty because twenty into each truck or something. Right. But there's they, no need. He couldn't just like keep summoning more as they got to the building. Right. I mean, but it's a tribe, right? So presumably he only has so many lads he can whistle up. So yeah, it tribe depends on how many. I don't demon. know if he can just spam a hundred of them, but right. Okay. Well, we'll probably never. Anyway, find. right. It's coming up in peace talks because everything mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the He's real an army of a thousand of them. Right. <laughs> real gritty details of how to find this work. And then he betrays uh, Harry. <laughs> Nicodemus sends his regard. <laughs> Just the whole open fire. <laughs> All right. Well, Binder is going to be holding the building. He will not be able to get his pack of jewels. So Asher supposedly will get them for him. And he likes the red ones. Right. Because huh? that's really important. He says it several times. Yeah. Red ones, love. I know, I know the red ones. Yeah, and throughout most of this meeting, Harry is like scratching Nitch on the back of his neck, and Asher is scratching something on her arm, but they ignore that for a while. Uh, they explain what Gray will be doing with poor Harvey's impersonation, right down to his retinas with a retinal scan. Uh, and I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. <laughs> When they get into the Capristi building, there's very, very likely things that are going to be tripped by magic because Marcona savvy and any tiny little transistor that goes out will probably have an alarm. So they bring out thorn manacles. Savvy kind of undersells the fact that Marcone has been after Harry since book one and he's employed a Valkyrie to be his magical, you know, yeah, um, consultant for, you know, like 10 books, but yeah. And he's got a, an actual yeah, bullet designed to kill Dresden. So, <laughs> and of course, the thorn manacles had to be made of iron. But he's still able to move around. Weird. So weird. Yeah, he couldn't possibly be, you know, not paralyzed anymore. I know this was, I like the first one. I was like, hold on, I'm pretty sure he ain't. But the second one, I was like, I I made sure to like read it like three times. I'm like, really? They're not fairy make, right? These ones are iron, you know, like. Maybe yep. Harry's just wrong. Maybe Mab tricked Nicodemus or something and gave him the fairy make. Oh, he had, these are his own. Right. Did, yeah. did he say uh, the... Who made them? Trolls? Or something? No, who made them? No. Well, 
So Smart Nicodemus has some on, on record. And I think in a previous book, they said that he created them, but that can't possibly be true. Well, he might have created the... the, the uh, swaddles? Or... I mean, but Swaddles can't do iron either. Sure can they, they can. Harry paid them to do it. He has to pay them extra, but they can work with iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because but they can't like touch it, right? Well, however they do it, he has to pay them extra because yeah. they're working. They have to go into the super toxic clean room to get you know, so the appropriate they, tools. They could do it. Right. Are they Swartolf? I guess they're Swartolf. Oh. Right. I, I don't remember if it's mentioned specifically that they're Swartolf. It is mentioned specifically where he got them from. I remember that, but I don't remember from where. I, I know at one point somewhere he mentions Swartolf's working with iron. He also mentions, I think, Thorn, uh, Thorn and Manacles you know, being created by them. But well, I don't he mentioned think the it's this for his circle. He made his mm-hmm. circle with okay. iron in it, so he yeah. had to pay extra for it. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah they, this... they, so, though mine are Spartalf make, not fairy. Steel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah, so he just probably paid them extra like Dresden did for his circle. Okay. Hmm. Whatever it was. Right. Yep. With the assumption that Harry won't be using his uh, magic, uh, Nicodemus had this thing of, well, we're probably going to have to use the Genosqua for the distractions. Like, nah, not going to use magic anyway. He can stop killing people or not start in the first place. Big enough. Yeah. Yeah, you could just walk down Chicago and and everyone's going to be surprised by a Bigfoot. That would be a distraction. All right, and right around there is when they start getting suspicious that something's actually happening and listening in on them, and Asher kind of gives it away of, Dresden, do you feel that? And he starts finding where the bug was, and the bug was wrapped in his broken wrist that Butters had just reset. Butters is a schmuck. (laughs) Dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah, and they start going off with battle stuff ready. Uh, Binders summoning a whole bunch of goons and they're all running out to track him down very very loudly mm. the the whole sequence is amazing like do we want to shortcut it or play by play because you know i just Some the whole the you know harry harry shooting at them and you know missing butters and just mm-hmm. smearing them and just be like clear my line of fire and just being a dramatic asshole about the whole thing is amazing um, you know, I've got pictures of the lions. They are formidable. I would not want to be staring that thing down while it was animated, you know. So <laughs> By when, Bob going, Rawr. Right. Yeah, Bob taking it over. And then, yeah, just the whole, like, you know, a combination of, like, hamming it up and also, like, feeling the part. Because he does, like, an actual lion's roar, right? And Harry's like, shit, I'm glad he's on my team. But then afterwards, he's like, rawr and stuff. <laughs> you know, and just, mm-hmm. like you know, jumps clean over him and oops, you know, I'll get him and just, you know, hamming up the size and not being able to control it and whatever either. But um, I mean, is there anything else? Uh, well, in the... let's see. Butters has a skateboard. Yes. Right. So yeah, all, all his gizmos are interesting. I mean, if you want to cover some of those, but they're all powered by Bob or at least, you know, have been charged up by him in some way. Right. Yeah. Um, He's got a stealth potion he inevitably gets away with. He's got like, doesn't he have kind of like a bat wing where he like his cloak kind of like. He didn't have a cloak. He just had a long coat, I think. And when he was uh, basically being flung from the skateboard, Bob interacted with the coat to cushion him a little bit. See, he's Dr. Strange. He's Sorcerer Supreme Butters. 
He's even a doctor. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're welcome. I just saved it. I just brought butters all the way around for you. He's got a cloak of levitation and, uh, you know. No, what he needs is a bullet for the head. That's no. No, so one crazy. of the things... Yeah, one of the things I went and looked up this read-through, too, was like, so Butters uses his escape potion, which is basically just the invisibility thing to, like, run 20 feet away and get it in a cab. trying to be in, in the wind, pseudo in the wind. It made yeah, him really like, sick afterwards. Literally in the wind, you know. And then he gets in the cab and goes to Michael's house, right? Which is, like, a 20-minute drive away, which I feel like is a really bad thing to have to deal with in Chicago when Nicodemus can fly. You know, because he's flying with Andariel, so I don't know. Like, just saying. But which also makes him a dick twice over, because now he's going to involve other people's children. Yeah. Oh, whatever. They're fine. They're not they're, fine, as shown literally in the book. They're literally protected by actual angels. They'll Are they fine. literally protected by flame grenades? <laughs> no, no, they're not. Eh, but technically, Butter's <laughs> actions were. Not yeah, no, the great. He gets, to the, he gets the the reward children. at the end. He's he's perfect. It happened to call according to God's plan. It's fine. Well, the, it part of the problem. Plan. It's it's an escalation, right? So like this time they're fine because he didn't have all his goons with flame grenades. But by then he was able to plan it and was like, "Hey, guess what? Initiate plan Michael Alpha, where we go and kill it with fire." They so. could have simply waited out there, sent for goons, and gotten flame grenades. Could have, but he didn't. He didn't because circumstance dictated that he didn't. But if this was, if this was as bad as he thought it was, if this was Harry going dark side, then there's absolutely no reason that Harry, who knows about the angelic protection, could not have then said, "Okay, we're just going to wait out here and then we're going to fucking shoot grenades into them." Especially when he knows Karen's there with Harry, and Karen knows that Butters is going to the Carpenter House because that's where the swords are, and Butters knows it. Well, right. yeah, that's the other thing. So what, what are you going to do? What, he's going to run and give it to what? A cripple? Or the person who's already vouched for Dresden twice to him and he's ignored? What, what is, what is going to happen here in his mind? The sword's going to protect and the angels are going to protect. That's kind of the point, right? It, all he has to do is have faith. Everything well, else will be handled. Him and his faith and his bullshit. He has no faith. Sure, just because he's a Jew doesn't mean he doesn't have faith. <laughs> he has no faith like, in his friend. He has no cause to have, be this suspicious. None. Sorry, you can be a little suspicious, but not this suspicious. <laughs> Especially he, when someone not... who you've been fighting with for these last couple of years, even if Harry fucked off to La La Land for a while, you've been hanging out with Karen, who you trust implicitly. She's vouched for him twice. And as Marconi. much as I hate her and her bullshit, she's vouched for him twice. Right. And still you're like, nah, this nah, this this is wrong. I I bat butters with fifty years old almost with my skateboard are gonna solve this problem. <laughs> he had to know. And it's not like he thought he was gonna get caught, obviously. Well then he's dumb three times over. <laughs> well, probably. It's not if you can't do something smart, do something right. Like, you know, he he's not being smart, right? But he's being human and he's trying he to have do... died like a human. <laughs> well, maybe, but he got away because magic and oh. because of plot armor 
No. Yes, that. Yeah. That one, yes. <laughs> Absolutely, he has that one. Just like Karen survives because of plot armor. He's got so. the biggest fuck-all plot armor now at the end of this book, and it is infuriating. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, Karen was literally in the jaws of the beast, and she survived, so, you know. Oh, like, yeah, no, she's got plenty of plot armor, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They both do. They're both insane, and they both should be dead long by now. But oh my goodness, different, different. Well, everything happens in peace talk. So maybe if you were good for Santa this last year, maybe I, just one of them. I don't even care which one. One of them died. One of them died. Oof. In peace. Sad. Talk. What a sad world. Please. <laughs> Especially if we have to lose a good character like Ebenezer. Please let the trade off be that one of those two schmucks dies. Oh, yeah, I guarantee Ebenezer's lost. Well, it, there's a decent. It doesn't look good for the home team. Let's just put it that way. So He's got to lose somebody this book. I mean, at some point, someone of import actually has to die. There's only so many fuck off Kim Delaney's you can kill that he's going <laughs> to blame himself for, but we don't care about. Kim well, Delaney. Sorry, nobody cared about Susan. I don't care what they say, even if they liked her. Nobody cared that she died. I fuck do. Susan. Thank, thank you. It. it Tears up my heart every time I read those words. Yeah, yeah. that's why you named your kid Susan, right? Yeah. Well, both of my he, boys. His name yeah. is Susan, Harry, and he wants you to Harry's, respect his life Harry's choices. pain. I can feel Harry's pain, and I sympathize with him, and I feel bad for him. But I'm still like, yeah, stab that bitch. <laughs> Jeez, you guys are wrong. It's such a good catharsis, literally, and then a wave of magic kills all the bad guys because she was the ultimate bad guy. It's poetic. <laughs> yeah, okay so true. so butters goes to michael's house <laughs> yeah. and then they have a nice chit chat and some tea <laughs> mm -hmm, at the fire right um <laughs> of michael's kids apparently so let's see it, they have to arrive a little staggered so when karen's basically racing down the neighborhood to get to michael's house the cab that butters is in cut her off and her little SUV car went straight into somebody's pool and she must have terrible insurance because this is like the third car she's lost in the series. Um, and insurance anymore. She just doesn't get pulled over because she still has her card. But the, like, all of that damage to someone like her car and people, I felt like a grown up when I listened to this this time and just felt <laughs> worried about insurance. That's funny. You know, there's no way she has any good coverage on anything. No. Um, Marcone so. just sweeps it under the rug. You know what? I would be fine with that, but she would never. She's too principled for that. I don't know anymore. So, I don't no, think she so. was only unprincipled for five minutes when she wanted to go off and murder a bunch of orphans. That she was unprincipled then for like five seconds. Uh, so Butters is down by the carpenter house, and Harry catches up because he's the winter night, and it's leading, and he can move faster than anyone else. Um, Butters tries to do a mind fog. Christmas ornament at him, but uh, Harry catches it and is right. trying to get him, go inside, go be safe. That doesn't entirely work, because then... Oh, oh wait, you're actually good! Oh my god, if only I'd known. <laughs> yeah, and then Nicodemus swoops down with his shadow wing flight, whatever, and is like, oh good, you have him, now kill right. him. You caught him, now kill him. And the Genosco appears at the same time. Right. And he's angry and wants to smash something. But Harry beats him to it and he smashes butter till he dies from it. Uh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> In a um, if, only, that been, if he had flipped him over that fence and he actually broke his neck, oh my god. 
<laughs> you get to torture Jeez. Harry with the guilt and you get rid of Butters in one fell swoop? Come on, that would have been perfect. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I feel like I've made my case pretty clearly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm beginning to, to feel a quote on here. Hate, hate. There, there's not enough words in the English language to express how much I hate you. So. And then Karen shows up with her rocket launcher and kind of gets things at a standstill. And Nicodemus is taunting her about you would kill us all and maybe not yourself and so she walks closer like yeah okay i'll kill myself too all right but it was theoretically a because... she wouldn't kill harry necessarily get through off the shield maybe yeah. he might have been captured by the genosqua that's true he was probably like yeah you know head vice if jane goes we all go so was that just yet? I thought that took a minute because he uses that later there was no, there's really no reason to fight her one-on-one if he's in like crush mode the whole time is there so uh, i oh wait no no harry didn't he wasn't in head crush quite yet because he didn't throw butters over the fence until after karen had already grappled a little bit with nicodemus gotcha. so it was at that point that janoska grabbed him gotcha okay uh yeah and harry, karen pulls out fetalachius from the fake rocket launcher and goes to town on Nicodemus and she wins at least that one. Yeah. And she she wins the battle but not the war. So Yeah, because at that point she gets him down on the ground, uh, I think, and Harry still has the problem of like, okay, so Karen's gonna die or butters or what, and he throws him over the fence and that confusion led to them fighting more and then Karen actually wins for a moment with the sword at Nicodemus's neck. Right. And he starts surrendering even though right. it's not a good it's not a real surrender. And if she was more clever, she could have fought semantics and probably actually done more. So yeah, this this is the stuff that kind of bugs the hell out of me, right? Because all of all of this is powered by the above, right? And so you're omniscient. And you know that in his heart of hearts, he hasn't renounced evil because five minutes after the fact, he's just going to pick it all up again, right? Mm-hmm. And yet the swords can't deal with that, you know? So, like, it's it's classic, right? Don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's a very classic D&D play, you know, just bad guys in general at the whole, I, I, you know, lay myself at your mercy and because I've given up, you have to take me prisoner or whatever. But because he immediately then attacks her again, like... I feel like in all of space time, you would see that coming, right? Like in most, in most other ways that this gets resolved, either somebody like Harry deals with Cassius when they, when they, you know, surrender so that the paladins don't have to get their hands dirty or they actually get, you know, taken prisoner and shit like that. But Nicodemus is still able to like attack back and break the sword. Right. Cause that happens in this moment. Right. And, yeah. you know, fuck up Karen in the meantime. So it's like the entire thing is a ploy. He's not honestly renouncing everything. So I just, I don't know. I always had a little bit of a problem with that, but I, how else are you going to write it, I guess, you know? So, so they it's always- got, I think it's got more to do with the wielders. Like in Karen's heart of hearts, she knows it's wrong to attack someone who's surrendered. 
Maybe. If she did, I think, I think, I think he even says that if her intentions were completely pure, like she, it wouldn't have get shattered or something. Or it like, goes a step further. If she doesn't do the condemnation of damn you. Got you. So it's literally yeah. uh, like if she had just been stoic and whatever, and like looked inside and been like, no, he's got to be stopped. But she didn't like outwardly say, no, fuck you, fuck this all. Mm. Maybe she could have gotten away with it. I don't Either know if it was way. the outward outward response that she had, but like she was judging him. She was Either being the executioner. Does she not have a gun on her at this point? Right. He has taken the noose off. Fucking shoot him in the face. That's that, that really good there's, a lot, there's a lot going on in the moment. I mean. Mm-hmm. But so. she's already got a sword out. You gotta use the sword when you got it out. But she I can mean, keep the, the sword thing. at if his she, neck and pull the out the gun. And she doesn't, I don't think, it's not like she's been primed on, by the way, if you try and do this while you've got the sword. Like, she might innately know because it's part of the power well, of the I mean, swords you know and whatever. Enough, but... He's laid two supernatural weapons down, so he's supposed to be quote-unquote vulnerable. You know uh, enough to know that he's prostrating himself and giving himself up, so he's given up at least a measure of power, even if you don't know exactly how much or how nebulous. Okay. And you're still going to strike at him even though Harry's dead isn't a vice, you've established that because she goes for it after she says, damn you, right? Right. She goes to kill him. And that's why he's able to break the sword. So if you're going to yeah. do that anyway, don't risk the sword. Take out your gun that you're actually this ridiculous marksman at and you're two feet away, not even two inches away, and shoot him in the face. But, I mean, so, so think about it from her perspective, though, right? She has a sword in her hands and he's all but vulnerable, right? Why is she going to take the extra 10 seconds or whatever to retrieve a second weapon? She's got no reason to do that, right? Because she doesn't realize that he can break the sword is what I'm saying. She's yeah, got she, a she does realize that. Says it after he says, after he, she says what he, he said. Yeah, yes, in the said. moment as the power goes away and he immediately strikes, you know, then she realized she fucked up. So let but it go not, and then shoot him in the face. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, but but so when he's surrendering, he takes off the noose. He he gives up the coin momentarily, and he tells the Janoska to crush Harry's skull. That's not true surrender. She, if she had true. played with semantics enough, the, she would be saving an innocent. Because even though he said, "I uh, am relinquishing my claim on the blood of the innocent," referring to Butters, like, he still has Harry as a hostage, and that's not true surrender. It's I think just, you know semantics. Would've yeah, I, I think the, the hair splitting there is that the swords are there to counter the coins. He would no longer bear a coin so that it wasn't the sword's business. The sword isn't technically there to fight bad guys, even though we've seen that a dozen times in the in the book series as well. So the Nicodemus is just being, I mean, he's being Marcone. He's got a high-powered lackey that he's told to kill Harry. But in that moment, Nicodemus is mortal. He's a very old mortal, but he is mortal. Uh, whereas, you know, cause so, like I said, with the Marcone thing, like imagine Marcone tells guard to kill Harry, you know, you can't use the swords in that moment just because there's a supernatural bad guy, because that's not what the swords purpose there. The swords are there to balance the scales with the coins, you know? So, but ultimately from her perspective, she had a perf- perfectly serviceable weapon that she's already beaten the guy with. She's going to go for the easiest strike. And obviously it's laden full of mistakes, especially in hindsight. But And then I, also don't open your damn mouth. 
Right, exactly. If you're not going to go for your gun and you're not going to whatever and you think he's going to die, you don't then say the stupid thing. Right. And it's, he got, he got her emotionally, right? He knew that Karen has feelings for Harry. So he told the Jenna squad to crush Harry so that it pushed her over the edge so that she would do the strike. She spends her whole life bottling up her emotions. I don't care. Well, she's got a long, she's got a long time to think about that during peace talks while she's probably still recovering from. Uh, You mean while she's getting PT and progressing better than anyone could have expected. Right. Because I'm sure. Because she's secretly a Valkyrie. (laughs) <laughs> or whatever the, there's got to be a gimmick you know unless unless it's going to be like well it is a bummer because peace talks got broken up by cthulhu and he stepped on the hospital where she was getting physical therapy the end oh, god please <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> while butters is visiting her while butters right i mean he's the physical therapist obviously oh even better hey the destruction of Fetalachius brings us to the end. Of, uh, so we can start at chapter 30 next Ooh. time. Man, we got, five far this, we got far in this episode. Yeah, so we've only got, what, four more episodes, five more episodes at this rate? Yeah. And it's entirely our stocks. fault. There was actually substantial news to go over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. a little bit. We did spend <laughs> I mean, almost, almost still, half so the episode. We still would have only gotten like as far as Michael, probably. Right. Even if we didn't bother. The good news is, along those right. lines, because it is the year of Dresden, you know, every Tuesday they're doing a new thing. So we'll have news every time now. Yay. Yay. It'll Yay. be old news, but we'll have news. Right. Yep. And they're doing the Dresden so files can... read along through Goodreads, right? Or is it? Yeah, no, it's on Goodreads. Okay. That's what. Wait, so they're just doing what we're doing, but like at a more professional level? Well, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> More in mass, I think. I know that's kind of yeah. the thing. It's like I totally like to participate, but you know, we just oh, are we've been doing up. this for oh. what two years or something. And we're not doing like, this in oh, five yeah. years when it's taken five years for the next book to come out either. Are you sure we could yeah. have so many more new crackpot theories to like? No, we can just dissect these talks fifty-eight times. Man, like, sometimes remember... I think you know our theories are crackpot. Then I read some of the actual crackpot theories, right? And <laughs> I'm just like, man, we're pretty, we're pretty sensible. <laughs> Yeah, well, imagine wanting to build stuff based on evidence versus, <laughs> or sup or supposition based on like what could maybe be foreshadowed versus just pulling stuff out of your, out of your hindquarters, out of your quarter hound hindquarters, <laughs> out of your quarter hound. Yep, out of non-Euclidean space. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna pluck our shit. So this has been the Dresden Files podcast, a podcast about Dresden Files and uh, the Broken Jars Network. And go visit drivethroughrpg dot whatever, and it's going to have link a link will in, be the in the description. description. <laughs> yeah. Can we switch to the and... Broken Corners Network now that we have Corner House? <laughs> yeah. No. Do you want to get your face eaten? Because that's how you get your face eaten. Um, can eaten either way. They don't care whether or not we call the podcast this. Right. Is is Great Scott still recording, or did they just no, wrap no, up? No, no, they they finished. Uh, I think last month. Awesome. You guys so, aren't doing threat level midnight. That's a good idea. I know. That's why I said it last time. <laughs> I don't know. You don't got to tell, tell me. Simpsons. <laughs> right. So we'll we'll see what's up next. Uh, DMs anonymous. Did you guys record? We got a host missing in action, and it's usually Jacob who kind of organizes that. So I don't I don't know what's happening. So passing the buck, got it? Yeah. Anything one. anything else we got going on that I'm missing? Uh, we just had a Christmas episode. It's on the Broken Challenge YouTube channel. 
Good yeah, call. That was and fun. they're Steve they're writing more yep. Dresden files. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> you always have us random viewers.